You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The SNC-Lavalin scandal is now making waves internationally, and now the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development Working Group on Bribery says that it is concerned by accusations that Trudeau and his staff tried to get the former attorney general to let the Quebec engineering giant negotiate a remediation agreement rather than pursue the firm on criminal charges of bribery and fraud. Now, Canada is one of 44 nations that in 1999 signed this legally binding anti-bribery convention. The OECD says economic considerations are not a reason to let offending companies off the hook. Foreign Minister Christian Freeland has acknowledged the OECD's concern, and that cannot be comfortable for her, given this government's progressive, sunny ways image abroad. Meanwhile, tomorrow, as you heard in Bob's News, the Justice Committee will discuss whether to recall Jody Wilson-Raybould for a second day of testimony. So what do you think? Is this still front and center for you? Uh, do these latest developments make it better, worse? The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free one. 866-740-4740. And right now, we go to Pierre Polievre, who is the MP for Carleton. He's a former minister and the conservative shadow minister of finance. Pierre, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Good to be with you. So what do you make of this latest development with the OECD chiming in about this? Well, it's more problems that Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development uh, correctly points out that no political interference is allowed in the use of deferred prosecution agreements. In other words, politicians should not play any role in shelving criminal charges uh, uh, for corruption. That appears to be exactly what happened here. Jody Wilson-Raybould said that the Prime Minister and his team uh, politically interfered with this decision, uh, and the world is noticing. Uh, last week, we heard Gerald Butts testify, and the uh, re- reviews of his testimony is that he came off as well as he could have. He sounded conciliatory, and his story was believable, even if you couldn't actually believe it. Is is that your view of it? No, he stated falsehoods. I mean, he said, well, if there was such a problem, why didn't she tell us earlier? She did. She testified that she, quote, looked the prime minister in the eye and asked him if he was interfering with my decision. That sounds to me like she raised the issue. And that was back in September. So, uh, you know, uh, but stated things that are, are on the record as being false as has the Prime Minister. And that's why we need to invite Jody Wilson-Raybould back to committee in order to complete the testimony she was not allowed to finish last time. What about the Prime Minister's rather strange 8 a.m. news conference last Friday? There, too, he stated multiple fa- uh, falsehoods. 
Uh, one, again, he said, you know, if she was so concerned about uh, how we were t- interacting with her on SNC-Lavalin's prosecution, why didn't she say anything? Well, again, she did. She said she looked him in the eye in September and told him to back off. Uh, so for him to, to say the opposite uh, is dishonest. He also said if he hadn't gotten involved, SNC might have been might be convicted and have to move out of Canada altogether. Well, that's not just incorrect. It's impossible. Uh, the company has signed a deal with the Quebec Pension Plan, $1.5 billion loan deal, requiring it stay in Montreal until the year 2024. Its headquarters is there. They've just renovated that headquarters and signed a 20-year lease. So they're not going anywhere, uh, despite what the Prime Minister says, and regardless of whether or not they are convicted. Furthermore, they have the five biggest construction projects in Canada worth $52 billion, work on which can only be done in Canada. You can't build Ottawa's light rail transit system and then in China and then drop it from a helicopter onto the nation's capital. It has to be built here. So... Uh This whole jobs excuse is patently false. The prime minister either knows that and is stating a falsehood or is blatantly ignorant of the facts. Well, uh, yeah, there is. That's a whole other aspect about whether uh, he and other officials were bamboozled by lobbyists. But back to his contention that she didn't come to him. There was that interaction in September. But, uh, you know, he both he and Butts said they were not aware that she had made a, quote, final decision. And she didn't come to him when there were there was further interactions. Uh, So you think those are just blatant lies? Well, she told Gerald Butts, according to her testimony in in December when they met, uh, that she was concerned about about the interference from various offices um, in her decision. Um, And, you know, the fact is she did raise it in September, and she raised it multiple times that it was a, that the interference was inappropriate. Uh, and and the prime minister, neither the prime minister nor Gerald Butts have actually refuted any of those individual incidences. They've just said, holus bolus, that they disagree with her interpretation of the event. But when they, they, they either haven't been asked or refused to answer about the specific instances that she documented in her journal and relayed under oath before a parliamentary committee where she told them, back off, boys, I've made my decision. Um, yeah, so uh, you, you, what is your f- feeling about what's going to happen tomorrow? I mean, uh, everyone wants to hear her uh, take, so to just to compare the inconsistencies between her testimony and Gerald Butts, uh, do you think that the committee will allow it? I don't know. Let's revisit why they must allow it. When the Prime Minister granted a waiver for Jody Wilson-Raybould to speak... He limited what she could say to events that happened prior to his removing her as Attorney General. However, after that date, there were material instances related to this controversy that occurred and led her to resign from Cabinet. Ministers don't resign from Cabinet for no reason. She had a reason. 
she's written the committee to tell us, tell the, the chair that she wants to share that reason. The prime minister just has to grant her a full waiver to complete her testimony and tell us the rest of the story. Well, I mean, you know, I think that her reason might be pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, he went he went to the extent of saying, well, she's still in cabinet. Obviously, she's okay with what we did. And uh, obviously, she was not. That is what we know. And you're right. But there might be more. And she specifically told the Justice Committee when she testified that there is more and that she wants to share it. But the prime minister banned her from doing so by limiting the waiver he gave her to the period prior to her moving from attorney general to veterans affairs. Uh, And we know that there are material events that led her to resign from cabinet. Canadians deserve to know what what those events are. That's why he must let her speak. Now, I know that you are not in the habit of offering advice to liberals, but There have been all kinds of people who say all that Justin Trudeau had to do was to offer a heartfelt apology to start to put this thing behind him. Uh, And people figure the reason he didn't do that is that he honestly thinks he did nothing wrong and he's honestly furious at Jody Wilson-Raybould. Is that how you view it? I don't think that's his problem. I think his problem is he won't tell the truth. Uh, he keeps trying to keep he keeps, keeps trying to, to to hide the facts in order to avoid accountability, and those facts keep seeping out. Um, like you know, he 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 stated the continues to state the falsehood that she never raised any concerns with him. Uh, he continues to state the falsehood that the company's headquarters can leave, even though that's demonstrably impossible. Um, he continues to try and restrict what she's allowed to say in the hopes that she'll just move on and forget about it, and that we will too. But we're not forgetting. And as a result, we have to pull each devastating revelation out of Trudeau like a a rotten tooth. Um, And he'd be better off if he just said, okay, I'm going to open the floodgates, let everything out all at once, and let let people absorb the the events that happen and judge me accord, accordingly. Uh, the, he, he, he thinks that if he can hold on to it as tightly as possible, that the truth can be suffocated out of existence. And that's not how the truth operates. It doesn't go away. It just keeps poking its head out again and again in the most inconvenient and damaging ways to him. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, Canadians are starting to get a little tired of this whole thing, or do you think it still resonates the way it has for the last month? Well, it will depend what uh, what we learn. I mean, um, and if she's Ill, if the prime minister allows her to testify and complete her testimony, then we might learn more uh, astonishing revelations that will keep the scandal going. On the other hand, if he tries to shut the entire inquiry down, there's the risk that the people will backlash because of his cover-up. So he he's in a difficult position where he, there's a some ugly truths that he's trying to keep hidden. He's trying to calculate if it's more damaging to hide them than it is just to reveal them. And what would you like to leave us with on this? That Jody Wilson-Raybould has said she has more to tell, that the Prime Minister has banned from telling 
that additional information. And Canadians need to continue to demand that he let her speak so that we know the entire story and can make a judgment about his conduct ourselves. Okay, Pierre Polyevre, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. And uh, I am going to get to your calls, but right now I would like to bring in Robin Sears, who is a principal at the Earnscliff Strategy Group. Hi, Robin. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, good. So as you see this thing keeping on, keeping on, what's your take on it? Well, I think there are two shoes left to drop. I mean, one, Pierre was identifying there appropriately, although I don't think it's the more consequential of the two. That is, you know, let's get the rest of the story out. What happened between demotion day and resignation day to Ms. Wilson-Raybould, it seems bizarre that they think they can keep that a secret. One suspects that among the things that happened is that somebody threatened her internally with challenging her view of events and that encouraged her to think, well, she better get out first and get her story on the line, which she did very professionally and eloquently. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the second shoe to drop, which is the real poser for the government, is what the hell do they do now about SNC-Lavalin? I mean, they, they really have one of those terrible binary choices in politics, which are not uncommon, an unacceptable choice and an unpleasant choice. There are no other choices. The unacceptable choice, I think, would be to be seen to have forced the deputy, uh, sorry, the director of public prosecutions to resign, probably made the new attorney general's position untenable as well by insisting they're going to go ahead with the DPA now, uh, a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. I just don't think that's a feasible option for them. And he, yet he's, he keeps saying that everything's on the table. He does, but, you know, now we have the OECD uh, wading in saying, actually, guys, you can't use jobs as a, a grounds for deferring a criminal prosecution. The, uh, the nightmare for them, of course, is that if they let it go ahead, this will rumble right through the federal election campaign period with new legal battles forming part of the campaign, presumably every few days. So it's a real mess. Um, the only thing I would say, Libya, is a, in a little unsympathetic tone, is it's a mess of their own device and creation. They have known they were facing this challenge since they came to office three and a half years ago, and they kicked the can down the road till they got themselves in this absolute dead-end trap. And um, there's nobody they can point a finger at other than themselves for that. Now, here's what I find to be a bit of a head-scratcher. So the law allowing these deferred prosecutions was snuck into the omnibus bill so that we would not notice it. And it has a provision, which granted is in all the other countries, that says they won't be able to bid on federal contracts for 10 years. Right. Now we're hearing that they might change that law and kind of, uh, uh, you know, ease up on that. So why didn't they just do that to begin with? Well, I think there are two factors there. The first is that federal procurement contracts make up a very small portion of SNC-Lavalin's total order book, less than 10%. Um, They have more public contracts and infrastructure, 
the Eglinton LRT in Toronto and Champlain Bridge, Montreal, many other things. But those are not federal procurement contracts. So the problem for for the, the company is not so much that they're forbidden to bid on federal projects, but the reputational hit that it will uh, inflict on them and be used by their competitors to challenge their ability to do anything successfully in other non-federal contracts in Canada and around the world. I mean, uh, given that they, they, they're they convicted of bribery and, you know, building a hospital in Montreal, uh, you know. No, 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 to be fair, they're only accused so far. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, um, I don't know, their reputation is not great. No, and and, and I think that the the thing which makes this very hard for Canadians to feel much sympathy for is that, as you say, they have previous convictions which banned them from World Bank competition uh, for a long time. There are current accusations beyond the the Libyan ones that this trial would be about. There doesn't seem to be a sufficiently remorseful and contrite um, public stance by the company about uh, this kind of behavior, I think, is is one of the challenges politically for the government. They're trying to defend a company whose whose reputation and public stance is perhaps a little less than one would hope for someone facing this kind of dilemma. On to the politics of this. Are, are the Conservatives playing this right? Uh, have they gone too far with that let her speak hashtag? And is, is Andrew Scheer getting a boost because of this? I mean, they've gone even farther than that, uh, Libby. I was astonished to see in Ottawa yesterday one of those trucks with movable screens on them uh-huh. saying, put Trudeau in jail with a picture of the <laughs> Prime Minister behind bars and a new website. Uh, it was a bit Trumpian for my taste. Uh, I think they probably have, by demanding his resignation, I think, um, you know, trying to be objective about it, the Jagmeet Singh and NDP demand for an inquiry, which is, you know, an established Canadian tradition in these situations. We've had many. Um, is probably a little bit easier to defend. Simply repeating the Prime Minister should resign when he's clearly not going to do that, I think is a bit of a dead end for them. But, you know, as Pierre said, it will all depend how this unfolds over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the House comes back next week. It will be every day in the news. And We'll see uh, what happens next. I very much doubt it's going to go away quickly. And what about Jagmeet Singh? Is he getting any traction for his stance? Some, not as much as uh, as a supporter of his. I would say I would I would like to see, but better than certainly he was doing before the Burnaby by-election victory. Um, so I think he's he's finding his way uh, forward on it. And when he's seated in the House as of next Monday. Uh, he'll have a much better opportunity. And he is a former criminal lawyer. So, you know, this is a domain he knows well. What about Trudeau refusing to apologize when there was so much advice saying, you know, just swallow hard and apologize and you might be able to put this behind you? My psychologist wife would say this is a particular failing of one of the genders of the species. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> Uh, that is the inability of men to make public or even private apologies without ifs and buts and conditions in them. Uh, 
Yeah, but uh, his his government is apologies are us. Uh, yeah, but apologies about their behavior, right. where their circumstances are concerned, are less common and less well executed. I, I, he was trying to ride two horses at the same time, uh, you know, being uh, sticking to his jobs line on the one hand and appearing to express contrition on the other. That never works. That is always a loser. Maybe he will. Maybe he will come to a position as a result of continuing pressure of recognizing he needs to take more personal ownership of what happened and be apologetic to Canadians for the mess that it has created. But um, I'm not betting the rent. Right, but you know, at this point, uh, after not apologizing, if there's an apology, it's a bit hollow. Late apologies are never as good as early apologies, that is for sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, your wife, uh, whom we refer to as Robin Girl, is onto something there about <laughs> the gender. H- hang on a sec. Let's uh, take a call from Ken in Cambridge. Hi, Ken. Hi, let me thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. Yes, uh, I'm concerned uh, about what the Liberals say that this is about jobs. You know, they've painted this as jobs. But it's actually not. It's about their ridings, their own individual seats in the province of Quebec. If it was truly about jobs, then I have to say, what about Ontario? What about all the GM workers who are going to be laid off this year because the plant is closed, closing? What about the thousands, not 9,000, but thousands of jobs out west and in Alberta and the pipelines? This, This is not about jobs as they claim. It's about keeping their seats in Quebec. And if it was truly about jobs, then he'd be out there solving this problem that's out west. And Gerald Butts, as much as said before, it's it's not about creating a new pipeline, uh, route for a pipeline out west. It's about creating a new economy. So that's why the government has changed everything around to stifle the the energy industry out west. And And this is this is why the West is feeling more and more alienated and favoring Quebec constantly. And so you're going to have this problem. And, and you know what? And I think the, the former attorney general needs to be called back and to give her a complete story. Okay. I mean, I, I just don't believe the liberals. I don't believe the prime minister. I think he's got it wrong. I think he has to apologize. Uh, and if, you know, like you said earlier, if he apologizes now, it's a little bit weak. Okay, Ken, thanks for that. Uh, Robin, uh, that's the other aspect of all of this. It's, it seems to have really opened up these regional rivalries and differences, especially uh, with the West and here in Ontario, where people compare it to the reaction to the closure of the GM plant. No, I think that's entirely fair. And, and you know, is it not reasonable to ask if you really were confident that you could make the political case this was about saving 9,000 jobs, would you not have done an economic study involving independent economists to demonstrate that case before you made the assertion? They did no economic research at all. This was simply an assertion on their part, looking at SNC-Lavalin's employment levels. Um, I'm just thunderstruck by the fact there is no policy foundation for it anywhere available to the government because they didn't commission one. Yep. And uh, that whole business about the loan and the loan conditions, it kind of boggles the mind. Let's take uh, one more call, Lena in Etobicoke. Hi, Lena. Hi there. Um, I just, uh, I'll first start by saying I'm young. I would never at any, like, and I don't pretend that I know 
all there is to know about politics. I honestly don't know very much at all, I'll be honest. But listening to this today and hearing the bits and pieces about this story that I have been, um, and hearing your first caller today just talk about the, uh, the, the waiver that she had to sign um, when testifying or, or for her testimony saying that she can't tell the whole story. That is very confusing to me, and I don't know why that's even allowed. Why was the prime minister allowed to say, no, you can't talk about this and you can't talk about that? It's because there's there's two there's two reasons, Lena, and thanks for your call. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the two reasons are uh, one uh, attorney client pr- privilege, because as the the attorney general, she's the government's lawyer. Always, whatever you say to your lawyer is privileged, and the other is cabinet confidentiality. So whatever you hear in cabinet is supposed to be a secret. But uh, I'm I'm glad you're getting interested in this and that you're calling in and asking questions. That's great. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, and uh, Robin Sears, what would you like to leave us with on this? Well, Libby, it may be absolutely true that there is solicitor-client privilege and cabinet confidentiality, but they waived it about everything except the last two weeks. So it's not as if they're uh, not willing to do that. The question is, why did they do it in a limited fashion when they demonstrated they're willing to do it partially? Well, yeah, and there are even legal opinions that that the prime minister uh, broke it himself. Indeed, yeah. Uh, but for for the purposes of the caller just getting into all this stuff, I wanted to make it simple. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think you, you, you set the absolute right case, but I think the political question she should wrestle with is why? Why have they not been willing to allow her to complete her testimony? Well, that's interesting. And if you are into predicting, do you think they will allow her to come back to the Justice Committee or will the liberal majority on that committee uh, uh, kibosh that? I think, again, Pierre's got a good point there, which they are not being sufficiently thoughtful about. This will not remain a secret. It will come out in a very, very torqued version in a news story as a result of somebody leaking it, which will do them a great deal of damage, probably at a more damaging time, closer to the election, or it'll come out next week in a committee. Those are the only two options. I'd choose the committee over anything else if I were them. Okay, sounds like good advice. Not sure if they will take it. Robin Sears, thank you so much for being with us. Great to talk to you, Libby. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 